Don't put that trowel and rake away just yet. This year's gardening season may be over, but it can also be a great opportunity to start preparations for next year's gardening season. Taking care of a few garden cleanup chores now means fewer pest and disease problems later, which can also lead to a more productive garden for next spring. To help shine the light on garden cleanup, I contacted Kim Leonberger, our University of Kentucky Agriculture Extension Associate, to get the checklist needed to help take the guesswork out of garden cleanup. To hear the full episode, make sure to stay right here for episode 20 of the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. Now, if you enjoy listening to the Sunshine Gardening Podcast, I would love it if you would take a quick minute of your time to leave a review. Leaving a review is super simple. Just pop open that purple app on your phone, share your biggest takeaway from an episode or what you would like to hear featured in the future. As always, thanks for listening and leaving a review about the podcast. Now let's get into today's content. Welcome to the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. This gardening show will equip and inspire avid gardeners with weekly tips and tricks to help them navigate the gardening world. The show will also highlight specific growing requirements for several plants so the sun will shine brighter over their Kentucky garden. And now, here is that ray of sunshine, garden enthusiast and horticulture extension agent, Kristen Hildebrand, with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. We are so excited to have on the podcast with us today is Kim Leonberger, and she's an Agriculture Extension Associate with the University of Kentucky with the Department of Plant Pathology. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast with us today. Kim, how are you? I'm good, Kristen. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to come and talk to your audience today. I know that a lot of gardeners are kind of cleaning up say their vegetable gardens, maybe they've got a little bit of some fruit in the backyard, whether it be small fruits or maybe a little bit of some tree fruits like some apples and pears, because we do get a lot of questions related to that. But a lot of the things we try to talk about on the podcast is seasonal type of topics. And one of those that I like to talk about, because I feel like it's very important, and I know you're going to echo that today in our talk, is garden cleanup. And specifically, when we've had trouble in those areas with disease or maybe insect pressure that's led to those diseases, it's really important for gardeners to make sure that they add to their to-do list before they close everything down for the winter is to practice some fall garden cleanup. So if you will, just to kind of get our conversation started today, can you tell us why it's so important to carry out a lot of those fall cleanup practices? Absolutely. So just as you said, it's absolutely important to really take the time to go on and clean everything up. Sometimes I think when we get to the end of the growing season, we either might be disappointed that it's over or just kind of ready to just be done. And that's kind of the last step for us. So we maybe don't necessarily think about the importance of it. And so from a plant pathology perspective, cleanup is super important. There are lots of fungi, bacteria, and viruses that can be out there that can wreak havoc on your garden. Um, And specifically, those bacteria and mostly those fungi are capable of surviving our winter months. So they are kind of hiding in some places. If we don't do a good job cleaning up, that's where that's going to come back from next year. That's where our disease is going to start. 
And so if we don't do a good job this year, we can definitely expect to have more disease issues in the next year. So just like you would go through and clean your house to prevent yourself from getting sick, making sure that you're cleaning up and sanitizing and doing those things inside, you're going to want to do those types of practices outside to make sure that you're taking care of these different disease-causing agents and making sure that they're not going to come back and cause you issues next year. I love how you said that. It's basically what you do now helps you that much better for next season. And so a lot of times we can kind of wear down towards the end of the season, but this is very, very important for us to actually make it to our to-do list. So what kind of chores would we have to do, say, in the vegetable garden and then, say, out in the backyard for some of the fruit? What type of things will we need to put on our to-do list? So the first part is just sanitation. And just like you would go through and pick up things that are dirty in your house, you want to do the same things in the garden. So that's going through and making sure that any plant debris that's fallen, so leaves, when we're talking about fruit trees, making sure that those are raked up, making sure that when we talk about the vegetable gardens, that we're taking those plants out, things like our tomatoes, we'd want to take those out of the ground. And this is why a lot of people forget, and it's easy too, because nobody wants to pick up gross apples that have fallen onto the ground or nasty tomatoes that are rotting, but those can harbor these disease-causing pathogens. And so it's really important to make sure that we gather up all of that plant material and making sure that we get that taken care of. So gathering that all up and removing that from the garden is really important. We're going to suggest that you do one of three things with it, which is burn it, bury it, or take it off site. So that's putting it into Some communities have compost that they'll pick up or yard waste that they'll pick up on the curb. They can go in there or taking it as far away from your property as you feasibly can. All of that helps to remove anything that might be living or trying to survive the winter in that plant material. So any leaves, any plants, any fruit or produce, making sure that you get rid of all of that. Um, In vegetable gardens specifically, we do suggest turning that soil under if you can. Some folks don't like to, and that's okay, but we do suggest that you turn that. That takes any pathogens that might be surviving on the soil surface and buries them deeper in the soil profile. And since these organisms are microscopic, it makes it really hard for them to be able to work back through that soil profile to get back to plants in the spring. So that's really helpful. A lot of times we will talk about making sure that you're also cleaning any tools or equipment that maybe is in the garden. So we think about vegetable gardens, you might have trellising, you might have cages for your tomatoes, certainly different things like that. Pruners that you maybe have used, pruning your apple trees or in your fruit trees, making sure that all of that gets cleaned very thoroughly can also be a good practice. Just that way you can start spring off in a good place. The only other thing that we do suggest that happens specifically with fruit is going through and pruning out any dead, dying, or diseased branches But we do suggest that a little later in the season. So usually we want the tree to be dormant when you're doing that. But this is a great time of year to mark which branches might need to come out later in the winter. Things like using some sort of flagging tape or maybe even just some yarn scraps to be able to tie around those branches so it's really easy to find them in those winter months to be able to cut them out then. So this is kind of a good time to put that on your to-do list as well. I like how that you talked about using the tape there just to kind of 
signal that, hey, you know, this is going to be something that I really do need to clean out whenever I get to that point of the to-do list, because sometimes you forget where those areas are, and it just kind of serves as that reminder piece for you. Now, as far as you mentioned, we can burn it, bury it, or take it off site. So a compost pile, is that not where we want to put these sort of things at, right? Absolutely. So when it comes to diseased plant material, you do not want to put it in a home compost pile. Home compost piles do not get hot enough to kill these diseases. And so essentially, if you go through and you do all that hard work of cleaning out all those plants and all of that produce and everything that's gross, then you put it in the compost and you put that back out next year or in the following year, the diseases may still be there. And so you kind of undo all that hard work that you did. So we do not suggest composting anything that's diseased. Certainly, if you have other material as you're just cleaning out your garden that you know isn't diseased or looked pretty good, go ahead and that's fine to compost. But if you're pretty sure it was diseased or if it's questionable, we suggest that you don't compost it. The one exception to that would be if it's going to a commercial compost pile, those do get hot enough. So again, if you're putting it in that yard waste, some communities have, those are going to large commercial compost piles and those do get hot enough to kill these pathogens. So it's just kind of the home ones, I think, because they stay so small that they don't really reach those temperatures that we need to see to be able to kill these pathogens. So what exactly is a hot compost pile in order to kill off that disease? Is there a certain number that's better for a hot compost pile? Obviously, the hotter, the better from the disease killing perspective, but not necessarily from a generating good quality compost. So most of these pathogens are going to need to be somewhere in the 130, 140, maybe even as much as 160 or 80 to really, really kill them. Obviously, it varies from pathogen to pathogen. Some of them don't handle heat as well, but a lot of them are going to need to probably be at least 160 or 180 degrees Fahrenheit to be able to really kill these pathogens. I'm glad that you addressed that because sometimes, like you said, our home compost piles don't really get into that, especially during the cooler months of the year if we have them. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about when you were talking there about the tools and equipment, you mentioned the trellises and some of those things. What about like your tillers that actually go through the soil? Would that be something that we would need to clean? And how would we go about doing that? Absolutely. Anything that's going to come in contact with the soil or with the plant parts is going to be really important to clean. So that's everything from a tiller, some of your hand tools. Maybe you don't have a tiller, but maybe you have some sort of turning fork or something like that that you're using in the soil. Any sort of soil knife or a trowel, certainly any of your decorations, maybe if you're thinking more in the terms of landscapes, but sometimes folks will put different decorations out or maybe you're growing your tomatoes in a pot on a deck or something. Those all should be cleaned. That really reduces the chance that any of these pathogens are going to survive the winter in any of those places. And there's lots of ways to clean, but it is a little bit more complicated than we often think. There are two types of products. There are cleaning products, and these are going to be used to remove any sort of organic matter. So that's your soil or any sort of plant sap, anything like that. That's kind of the first step when it comes to cleaning and making sure your tools are ready to go and that we've removed any pathogen. We want to make sure that we get rid of any organic material because the second step then is that disinfecting step. And disinfecting is where we're actually going to kill those pathogens. These are going to be special products that are going to be used for that. So when we talk about cleaning products, those are things that 
and in soap, your dish soap, hand soap. And then there are some household cleaners. So again, the purpose of those is just to get rid of that organic material. So that plant sap, that soil, get that off there so that those disinfectants can get in and do a good job actually killing the pathogens. And then your disinfectants, those are going to be either disinfectants, sometimes they're called sanitizers or antimicrobials. So they're actually going to go in and kill the disease. And those are things like rubbing alcohol at a 70% solution. Bleach can be used, but you are going to want to dilute that. We recommend a 10% bleach solution. So that's going to be nine parts water to one part bleach. So for example, if you were making that and you wanted to make a big bucket of it, you would put in one cup of bleach and nine cups of water to make that 10% bleach solution. Hand sanitizer is another one. And then there are also, again, some household cleaners that do have antimicrobial activity that can be used as well. So there are some commercial products that can be used for that. And when we go through the cleaning process, we say there's really four steps to it. So the first step is to clean and scrub. And that's, again, you're going to use a brush and you're going to go through and really make sure you get any sort of organic matter off of that tool. So whether that be your tiller and cleaning the blades or cleaning the underside, or whether you're cleaning pruners that maybe you're going to use later this season to prune out some of that dead plant material. And then Once you've used that soap and scrubbed it, then you're going to go back and you're going to rinse that to remove any sort of residues that might be on there. And then the next step is when we're actually going to bring in that disinfectant. Most of those products are going to require either a dip where you're putting it into some sort of bucket or container of that solution or a soak where it might need to sit in there for a while or it can be sprayed on. So follow the directions for whichever product you're using. Most commercial products are going to give you instructions. So it's really important to follow those. Make sure that you really note when you're reading those directions, how much exposure time. Some of these products don't kill pathogens just instantly. Sometimes you really have to let them sit for a period of time. So somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe three to five minutes. So that's kind of where that soak is going to come in. It's important to note that bleach is really the most effective when it comes to killing these pathogens and really only requires an exposure time of 30 seconds. However, there's a couple other things to note. Obviously, bleach, when we're going to use it on metal things like pruners or trowels or even our equipment, that is going to lead to some corrosive nature. So it's really important to make sure that you rinse after you use it. And then also when you're using bleach, you're going to want to make sure that you never mix it with any other cleaning products as it's possible that it can produce some sort of toxic gas that is really harmful to you making sure that you know what you're working with. So step three, again, is that disinfectant step, making sure you read the product directions, follow those, making sure that you have enough exposure time to kill the pathogens. And then your last step is to rinse them and dry them. Make sure that they are dry all the way before you store them or before you go back to using them again. That makes sure that they're not going to pick up other things. Make sure that you're not going to necessarily move pathogens as easily if you get into something. So an example of how this might work, this is what we do with our tools when we're pruning. We wash them with dish soap and that removes all the soil. We scrub them with a brush. Then we rinse them and dry them at that point. Then we're going to put them in that 10% bleach solution that I described for about 30 to 45 seconds. And then we're going to rinse them with clean water. So not the same water you used the first time. And then making sure that we wipe them and dry them thoroughly with a dry paper towel and making sure that they're completely dry before we either store them or before we go back to using them again. So that's essentially how that works. 
and kind of the different steps. Like I said, it's a little bit more complicated than what you might think. And one other thing to note when we're talking about cleaning, it's very easy to clean things that are plastic, metal, or are fiberglass. Wood objects are a lot more difficult because they do have some crevices in places where it's a little bit more difficult to get into those. So oftentimes one of our recommendations is to try to make sure that you're leaning more towards using plastic, metal, or fiberglass tools and implements because those oftentimes are so much easier to clean to make sure that you're getting rid of all the diseases versus something like wooden stakes or wooden posts. That can be really challenging to clean those, although you can go through the same process. Sometimes it's not as effective because you do have those little cracks in places where these pathogens might hide. Yeah, and that's a good point to bring up about the material there on the wood because we do have several people that like to use those wooden stakes, especially in their tomatoes. (laughs) One other question I was going to ask you, Kim, especially when you talk about the drying process on the cleaning of the tools, is it true that UV rays like sitting out in the sun will also help take off anything? Is that true? It can be depending on the type of structure. Setting them out in the sun and letting them kind of heat and warm up, definitely a lot of these pathogens have structures that are UV sensitive, but some of them have a structure that they start to produce as we get closer to the end of the season that's meant to resist UV light. And those oftentimes will have little hooks on the end that might grab onto things. And so at that point, UV light isn't necessarily going to help. So we do recommend that you go through this thorough cleaning process to really make sure that you're getting rid of it. But definitely setting them out in the sun to dry once they're clean can just kind of add to that cleaning process and heating them up through that and using those UV rays to maybe get anything that maybe you didn't quite get or maybe isn't all the way dead. I appreciate you explaining that because I'd always kind of heard some things about just putting it out in the sunlight can also help. One of the other questions I wanted to ask you, this might be kind of a silly question, but is there always a surprise that you get when you're talking about garden cleanup that people just automatically think, I didn't think of that. So is there any area that they forget about that would also be important to do as far as their fall garden cleanup? I think sometimes just the concept in general, I think people think, okay, I need to clean out this plant or I need to trim that back or something like that. I think kind of the aha moment for a lot of people is they don't necessarily understand the added benefit that they're getting from a disease management perspective. Certainly a lot of our really common diseases, they're going to overwinter in this leaf debris or or in those fruits or produce that's fallen on the ground. And people just don't necessarily think about kind of the added benefit of cleaning all of that up and making sure that you're doing a really thorough job of going through that cleanup because obviously a lot of times we think of cleanup more from an aesthetic point of view, like, oh, I'm done with these plants. I need to just clean them up because they're dead or, you know, we've had our frost and now they're going down. So I need to just remove them because they're ugly. And so it's just really important to kind of keep an eye on your plants throughout the growing season. If you do encounter a disease problem, knowing that when you get to the fall, making sure that you do a cleanup for those plants in particular is really, really critical. So Just kind of, I think, explaining that to folks and giving them the opportunity to learn the added benefit that you're getting by doing all that work. Yes, yes. And one final question before we get into our very final, final question is as far as after you've gone through that process with cleaning your tools and equipment, is there a better way to store that? Do you just store it on the floor of your garden shed or should you elevate that or does it really matter? I don't know that we necessarily have any research that says one way is better than the other. Certainly making sure that you don't throw them back into like a bucket that has soil in it 
or something like that, I think is beneficial. I'm an organization freak. So I always like mine up and kind of on a shelf or on some sort of rack. So it's really easy to see that way. I have heard of some folks where they will kind of have two shelves. They'll have the shelves of things that it's like, okay, I need to clean this. I just don't have time to do it right now. And then this is the shelf of things that are clean and stored and ready to put away. We don't necessarily recommend keeping things on the floor just because that is a place where you're walking in and out. So it's really easy for plant debris or soil to collect in those spaces and then get on those tools and kind of undo all the work that you did. So part of the sanitation is making sure that you go through the right steps. And part of it is making sure that you preserve all the work that you did do to go through those sanitation steps. Yeah. And we would hate to go backwards after we've just taken all that time and effort to clean those tools and equipment. So now if somebody wanted to learn more about cleaning and sanitizing their garden, is there any certain references or materials, publications that you can recommend for them? Absolutely. So the Extension Service has done a great job of generating a lot of publications. And in plant pathology, we have numerous publications or fact sheets that are available to people on the internet. You can either Google search UKY or whichever web browser you like to use, I guess I should say. You can search for UK plant pathology and click on our website and go there. Our web address is plantpathology.ca.uky.edu. On our webpage, we have two really great areas that you can explore. The first one is our extension publications, and we do have detailed publications on how to go through the sanitation process, both for orchards, vineyards. We also have them for landscapes, and we also have them for greenhouses and areas like that. So there are those sanitation publications that are on there. We also have a really great publication on cleaning home gardening tools. So it walks you through and kind of gives you some suggestions of different products that you can use to go through that cleaning process. So that's a great publication as well. The other area where folks can get information is we do put out a weekly newsletter called Kentucky Pest News. That does require you to subscribe, but you can find how to do that through our website. There's a link where you can click on Kentucky Pest News. You go there and you just essentially put in your email address. But Kentucky Pest News is a great resource for homeowners, growers, lots of people because Throughout the entire year, our specialists at UK, as well as our extension associates, are generating content. So they're writing articles on what's happening, what folks need to be knowing at that time in the season, and kind of giving them updates, not only about plant diseases, but also insects and weeds and other problems that might be happening. So it's a great way to kind of keep yourself in the know about how to get that information and be able to take steps to know where to go next or to be aware of new resources that are being put out by the Extension Service. So I very much recommend that you go and subscribe to that because it is a really great resource for folks as well. You can also find us on Facebook, KY Plant Diseases. We're also on Twitter, same at KY Plant Disease. So you can find us there. We kind of try to post some fun content, give you a little bit of insight as to what's happening in our research programs, but then also just making sure that We're providing content and information to folks about what's going on throughout the season or what they might need to look for, what we're seeing as we're out and about. Kim, thank you for the overview today on the fall garden cleanup, as well as what things we need to add to our to-do list. So we hope to have you back in the future. Thanks so much, Kristen. I really appreciate it. I hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on garden cleanup. 
A big thank you to Kim Leonberger for being our guest on the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. Now, to view the show notes for episode 20, make sure to visit me on the blog at Warren County Agriculture. You can find us by going to www.warrencountyagriculture.com. Thanks for listening, gardeners. As always, keep digging into gardening and remember to add a little sunshine. Thanks for listening to the Sunshine Gardening Podcast with Kristen Hildebrand. If you enjoyed today's content, make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to catch future segments of the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. Gardeners, keep on digging and learning more about gardening so the sun shines brighter over your Kentucky garden. The Sunshine Gardening Podcasts with Kristen Hildebrand is a production of the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. 